One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I am JB here sat in the rugby dungeon next to Loyal Phil. How are you, Loyal Phil? <laughs> Hello, JB. And down the line, treacherous Tim in his shipping container, living the life of what? A, 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 a Russian tycoon <laughs> on expenses. <laughs> If only. At least you were open enough to actually say treacherous, Tim. I thought you were just going to leave the subtle, veiled <laughs> implication. Yes, exactly. Yeah, sometimes you let the listeners come to their own conclusion, shouldn't you? Well, as, <laughs> as I always like to say, there are two types of people in this world. Those who can extrapolate from incomplete data. Very good. Very, very oh, filled. Very, good very filled. filled. Very filled. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh... Excellent I think we're stuff. done here. That's, let's go. Let's go home. Let's go home. <laughs> Great dad joke. I love it. Uh, I just want to say at the very start of this, welcome back to the grassroots podcasters. Welcome back. They're all flooding back, aren't they? They're so into the World Cup. <laughs> they love rugby so much they haven't touched it for the last four months. Yeah, well, I tell you what, there's uh, quite a lot to talk to talk about this week. So uh, I'm, I'm not surprised that they're back because. It, it all went off. Some really yeah, well, interesting stuff. So let me just say uh, well, a, a sincere welcome back. And also, just like loyal Phil is always right there as JB's lapdog next to him <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> My King Charles Spaniel. As, <laughs> we are there for you as your loyal rugby servants 52 weeks of the year for very nearly 10 years. And if you appreciate that fact, you can hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can get more and quite often spicy content. Patreon.com slash egg chasers. And you can tell a mate. So there we go. Anyway, there we go indeed. Oh, and you can get you can get in touch at contactedchasers at gmail dot com. Yes, yes. So, do you want to start with the CrossFit Games and which <laughs> like which event do you want to talk about, boys? Well, I, I was going to just say, Tim, you you made a proposal uh, on our Egg Chasers WhatsApp chat that I think is a good one, which is we will discuss the games tonight, uh, which will obviously be our podcast for Monday morning for mm-hmm. everyone's listening pleasure. And then we'll probably reconvene tomorrow night because the England squad is being announced tomorrow. So we should dissect that in full fresh when it comes out. So there'll be a, probably a, a second pod early Tuesday morning or late Monday night for you. Do we have anyone on the ground doing the England announcement? Are you, are you going, Phil? I'm not going, unfortunately. I'm not going. Anyone? I might. I might be at Twickenham tomorrow morning, uh, where they are, by the way. Leave. What I can tell you, uh, and I've got selection dilemmas of my own to make, just like Steve Borthwick. 
is I'm going to have to decide what to have for breakfast and lunch because, I mean, you, we hear, keep hearing Twickenham and, and RFE's got no money. They're laying on breakfast from 8.30 for all the journalists. Wow. And, and assembled people. And then it's going on till like, 1 o'clock, lunch comes out. I don't know what they're expecting us to do well, between 8.30 and 2 p.m. So, hang on. When does the... When does the t- squad get announced as such? 10 a.m. 10 a.m. So I imagine, right, this is how I seem to remember the last World Cup squad going, is they do some sort of announcement, and then they have like loads of fans and sponsorship stuff going on. And I think the journalists do some writing or something. Like, you just get shooed off, and then you file some copy, and then you come back about 1 o'clock, wouldn't you? Whilst the fans do all their stuff. There'll probably be some good opportunity to interview the players. Yep. Um, presumably, all the players uh, who don't make the cut will have to pack their bags up in that intervening window. Oh, so I Tim, hope they all have to have their bags, Tim, like on Apprentice. <laughs> uh, Tim, you, you could help someone. You could maybe help uh, Henry Slade or David Ribbons or Joe Thocken, a singer, someone like that. Pack, yeah. Pack their bags up, give them a lift to the taxi. Yeah, that, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Just have, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm big into this. They should make it into a real big event sending the oh, players home. They should get, you know, the cafe in The Apprentice, the most depressing cafe in the world. Yes. They should send all the players who where, don't make it. Where did we go wrong? <laughs> and just the recriminations. Like, I had to play with you. If your service was better, I would have made that. <laughs> Why did you miss oh, your line-up yeah. throws, pal? <laughs> and, like, and because, no, but that's, that in The Apprentice, that's to kind of decide who gets fired. They should do that to decide who has to go and play... I was going to say, I was going to say, sort of like, trying to make a joke, like play for Newcastle, but that's that's, that's not that's not very fair. No wasps, go play wasps. Wasps, yeah, zebra. Go play for wasps. Yeah, Zeb- yeah. So yeah. But anyway, so, we'll have lots to talk about then. But you know, like you say, JB, like, let's as, as we're doing two, let's let's just crack on with the rugby. Yeah, sure. So, well, let's go with the one which I think um, our listeners most care about because of our demographic and whatnot. England Wales. I think we learned a lot. Oh well. Did we learn a lot? There was certainly a lot of surprises. It didn't go the way I expected it to go. Now, full disclosure on this, uh, it is my wife's birthday today. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, you're very lucky to have me here on her special day. Uh, isn't that right? Um, I, I've i seen the first 30 minutes of England-Wales. I've not seen anything else other than the, the highlights. So, Okay, can... well, well, why don't you assess that then, Phil? Just... Let, let's put our England caps on for a minute because there's lots to talk about positive for Wales, which we will in a bit. But that first 30 minutes, I'd be very interested to know what your yeah. takeaways were of what you saw. So, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see because I got a few takeaways and then be interested to see if these continued or they changed. So um, England in that first 30 minutes, they won. They got two penalties, which they won from scrums, but they both seem like kind of lotteries to me. I'm not. I wasn't convinced that they were dominant England scrums in any way, Completely shape, or form. Agree with that. Um, England did a bit of box kicking and tried to run it a few times with ball in hand, and couldn't get past maybe two phases on any occasion. Yeah. Uh, and their defence—they looked incredibly vulnerable to the ball back inside off Costello and Davis. Yep, they're probably. All of the points that I wanted to make. Like, no one, Thockner Singer did not do anything positive in that first 30 minutes. I thought, when you mentioned that, I thought he was one of the more effective carriers. So he carried once and just had the ball knocked out of his hand straight away. He looked very shaky under the high ball. 
and for the what should have been the um, re-summit try, were it not for a kind of Blumeyer tap tackle, he misread the inside ball, and then he was the one who got caught short. He should have pushed across, um, so he left a bit of a hole there. The, hold on, the re-summit the re- try? No, re-summit, what should have been a re-summit right, yeah, try, yeah, right, where yeah, he breaks yeah. the line on the inside from the line-out move. Yeah. Um, that was a thock. So he was three clear mistakes there. But I didn't see any more. He might have carried well after that. But in I the first 30 minutes... So I thought he carried well. And, you know, yes, he made some mistakes. But England just seems so toothless. I think that any danger they can get from any position right now is a bonus. I, I thought Marchant showed elements of his class, but not the full range of skills he has. Maybe because of what was happening inside of him. Didn't, well, didn't really I, see I, any I in think, the first 30 minutes. Yeah, I can't really think yeah. of it. Yeah. Can you think of anything... More well, positive. If we talk about those points, are you you like so first point I made, I guess, um scrum they won two scrum penalties. Yeah. Uh which seemed like a lottery. Did that continue winning scrum penalties or was it just a lottery and it was the first two in England's favour? No, they uh, well started then taking scrum penalties off England. Oh really? Off, yeah. So. Uh, were they genuine or were they gam- like fifty fifty ones? Yeah, like a prop slips on his knee and it's, yeah. it's like a technical penalty. Yeah. Uh, no, they look yeah, there, was a, there was a magic eight ball feel about the scrums. Mm. Uh, you know, happens. I, two, two very new, well, not very new, in completely new props. <laughs> debutante. Yeah, two de- on debut. That's incredible, isn't it? Sending two de- debutante props out. And then you lose your hooker after four minutes, five minutes? Yeah. And they, you know, it's... I, I'm still... The more I think about this game, the more I'm in shock at what I saw from <laughs> Wales. I really am. Um, England on their attack. Uh, you're absolutely right. Two phases weren't particularly good. Going sideways as well. It wasn't get, sharp. Didn't get past two phases from what I saw. I just, I'm not even sure if they did get past two phases in that first 30 minutes. But, um, go on, Tim. You, you, you pitch in with a few bits and pieces of, of your, your positives or your analysis of, of England. Yeah, well, not hugely positive. I think two facts about England linking this game to previous games is they have scored three and conceded 11 in their last three matches. Wow. I heard. Scored three is in tries. Scored three tries, tries conceded yes. 11. So, wow. so, so just kind of That's saying... That's bad. Yeah, it's I know. So on good, both counts. So uh, you can't... And you can't separate one from the other. So saying Joe Thock and the singer carried well, so that you should focus on that. And, uh, you know, do, don't worry about the defensive mistakes. Uh, in, uh, Phil's right. England looked fragile defensively. That was probably the biggest concern because for for whatever reason the individual errors were off the charts there's something like 20 odd drop balls a lot of them unforced and it just looked like there was no cohesion between these players who've allegedly been in camp together for the last month yeah so which, which is odd but so uh, but i expect very few if any of those players to be playing in a starting 15 against argentina so i'm not overly concerned about that but the defensive part is the sort of thing you think whoever's on the field, it's so simple to get systems and structures mm. in place for that. It's the foundation that that is what concerned me, which is why when Joe Thocken, a singer kind of looks really exposed defensively, I go, no, that's, that's a red flag for me. Mm. Yeah. Cause that, that is, it's one of the things that Gatland, regardless of who he's playing, regardless of what kids he throws in or experienced players he throws in, he always seems to have that basis of defence. Yeah. Like it's the first, it's, that is the foundation that you build okay. everything so up this from. is what I wanted to talk about. And let's see if you can flip it around and sort of mm. use the reverse logic on England. I thought what Wales did 
masterfully. Like it was so good. Was they managed to shape the game into a game where they could execute their strengths. So if you're young and fit and hungry for a World Cup spot, the very least you can do is work hard. Mm. You know, and put in big defen- a big defensive shift. That's simply the easiest thing for a professional rugby player to do. A motivated professional rugby player wants to be put in a situation where all he needs to do is get off his feet and hit things which <laughs> are in front of him. Work hard. Yeah, we just work if you yeah, if you just give them the opportunity to work hard, they'll work their little socks off. So I think Wales did a great job of just making sure that their players could work hard mm. and you know, putting them in a position to succeed. Classic Gatlin team. Yeah. Now, does that mean, I don't know what this means for England, does this mean that they were inefficient at moving the Welsh defence, exposing the holes in a pretty much a brand new young team, an inexperienced team, Pro- probably? Or did they not shape the game themselves? Did they not put their own players in a situation where they could, where they could win? Probably a bit of both. And if, you, if that um, just failure to retain the ball for more than a few phases continued, yeah. you can't shape anything. <laughs> like no. you, you shape... But on the on the point, and I've I've not seen this in real time and how it played out, but I've seen the George North try. Oh my god! And England, like, what is that? The defence. What, what is that? What what is is that? Like, yeah, can Cocker? Uh, can you explain? This? Because I've not seen it, the phases that build built up to I, that try. I've watched it three times. I still can't tell you how did England? How, how were they so threadbare? Um, Ten yards out from a rook on their own try line. There's no. There was no one inside of. Van Portfleet. Van Portfleet goes to make it. It was like, it was legitimately like a level seven miscommunication. I mean, it well, was on, worse on than that. On that, if, if, we were, if we were playing for a level seven team... We'd be and, subbed. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, but if you... Uh, uh, down to probably level eight, level nine, you would know. If you're on your own line and you're short of numbers and the opposition have the ball, what do you do as a defender? You get, you get your... So you've got to fill in around the rook. You've got to make it difficult. So they can go round you, but they can't go through yeah. you. And you've got to get off your line. Exactly. So fill in. You get off the line and hit someone. Don't worry about drifting. Don't worry about the spaces uh, yeah. out wide. Because if you're you, on your own line, you just hit something. I would say, best to be safe than sorry. Take a few seconds, slow it down a few seconds and think about the very complex system that your coach instructed you to utilise <laughs> at that very time. And then ask your friend if he's going to do it too. And then move. <laughs> yeah, I think you have, you can't separate again in that case. It, yeah, in, England's defence was a concern for me. But Wales in the, in the phases leading up to that, there was, there was speed in their ball. There was runners hard. There was deception. There was di- people cutting different angles. That's just hard work, really, wasn't it? I mean, all those things like yeah. speed of ball, ruck, yeah. ruck speed, just get there quickly, clear out quickly. Yeah. Get your fundamentals really nailed on. I was amazed by Wales. If looking when that team came out, my actual words were, "Who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who they are. I, I, who are these props? I, you know, what do they do?" Costello. All I know about him is that he used to be very highly rated at Leicester Tigers and then went back to Wales. That's all I know about him. I know nothing more than that. And here he is uh, going up against the future King Marcus Smith and doing very well and yeah from what I saw he he looked good because he was uh, in the handful of times that I saw him with the ball in the first 30 minutes um, and then from the highlights later on he was um, exploiting the weaknesses of England's defence yeah you can't ask more than that so the the reason I think this is a complete disaster for England complete disaster I mean that I mean, it doesn't affect the starting team Tim is completely right about that but what is the best scenario that you get out of this game the best scenario you get out of this game is a buoyant camp 
and the feeling that you've got players underneath you who want your jersey and are pushing you harder. Mm-hmm. And I think the overwhelming thought that we come, come away with now, when we look at the England team as well, it doesn't matter too much because we've got better players to come in. And that is not where you want to be. You want to be in a situation where like, oh Christ, some big name is going to lose his shirt here because these kids want it more. I agree with that. I, th- I think this is I, this is not good for it. Like, it's... England have always been in a tough position. Or, let me rephrase that. Borthwick has always been in a tough position, getting appointed with eight months to go before yeah. a World Cup. Um, he's kind of been let down by the RFU there. Um, well, the RFU's got a long history of letting down everyone. Yeah. So Borthwick won't be the first and he won't be the last. Yeah, but it, his reputation has been... He came in with an excellent reputation and in less than eight months it has been yeah. destroyed. Well, here's something which or is... Or fundamentally damaged. Here's thing of which is genuine concern for England players and for Borthwick, and this does not reflect well on him at all. Two critical lineups lost in scoring positions. Now, that is what they need to nail. Like Their their game will be based on pressure, mm-hmm. and you can see that with the box kicking. Okay, fine. They don't have the best day, but that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And the second part of that pressure is to win your set piece, and he is the lineup genius. So for those lineups to go wrong... It's not acceptable. I mean, that is a. I, d- I, I don't think you can put that on a coach. Well, well, well where else I do you. I don't have? understand how you can put that on a coach. That's his job, right? If you're. No, 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 no. It's not his job to execute. Um, it, it's the player's job to execute. And it wasn't that Steve Borthwick's line out system was poor and therefore the players messed it up. It was that those players messed it up. Well, the way I look at it is that you're a coaching team and the art of coaching. For a lot of people, is not exactly what you dis- what you're going to do, but what you leave out. So you look at England's attack; it wasn't great, and you might say, "Well, it's not great because they're working on other things." Steve Borthwick's whole game plan, or a lot of it, is based around winning great set piece. Leicester Tigers were one of the, if not the best team in the Premiership at scoring points following lineouts. So I see what you're saying. The players have to execute it. But if I'm Steve Borthwick, that's the that's the number one thing the number one thing I'm making sure that they get right. And if they're not getting that right, I mean, I don't know what they look like in training, but if anyone got made a misstep on the way to, on the way to that game, they couldn't play. That would be my thought. Yeah, I guess you, you can't replicate what it's like in a game and you can't learn about players until you're in it. So Test Jamie match Blamire, animals. Exactly. Yeah. Jamie Blamire and Theo Dan both ballsed up line-out throws. There was one where it, the ball got thrown over Lewis Ludlam, and it yep. wasn't Lewis Ludlam's fault. The person lifting him from behind just wasn't there. Yeah, and I mean that. I mean, who, in my mind, who is responsible for preparing the players that they know? I mean, the player needs to know that he knows and needs to learn. You know, <laughs> needs to learn like learn his job. But on the other I hand, g- I guess the, what we can say is the issues were basic: yeah. defense, shape, uh, general cohesion, like not looking like you've. Uh, know what lines each other are running and dropping the ball, basic handling, execution of set piece. I mean that that's a concern that it was it was fairly basic. Equally, mm. and if we're trying to if I'm trying to put a positive spin on it, that means I know these players are better than that. I'm concerned that they didn't deliver it. I know that they're better than that, and therefore a lot of the issues are relatively easy to solve. I think this is going to be a controversial statement now, right? But I genuinely think this. If you swap the shirts of those players and put them in different camps, the red team would still win. Yeah, as in so you, the, the players swap yeah. over and Gatland has... Gatland has all has the England 15 for the same amount of time and then Borthwick has the 
Uh, well, so the, I just think the England players on display were the, probably man for man superior. Yeah, I probably agree that they were man for man superior. The one, the one difference is there is not an enormous amount, but there's a chunk of those players who played who have played with Gatland for yeah, ten years. That is true. Like Halfpenny North, Bigger who came on, Gareth Davis, um, Morgan and Wainwright have been with him before. Well, Wainwright not, was like the next great coming. He was, yeah, and he looked looked good from what I saw in this game. But let, let me let me pick up on what JB just said by introducing mm. an email from Max Armstrong to Here we go. at gmail dot com. He says, "Gentlemen, tucking into a bottle of wine and dissecting today's game." <laughs> you probably <laughs> dragged that back with a funnel. <laughs> I reckon. Uh, who would you rather be going to the World Cup? Borthwick with a bunch of proven winners, Lions indeed with big reputations and big expectations, who are playing like they've never met each other, or Gatland with a bunch of raw, talented young Tyros with nothing to lose. Gatland. <laughs> Gatland. Based on this, Gatland, I, mean, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. In fact, I'm not even sure it would work. Do you know what I said then about like the experienced players? I'm not sure it would work giving him all the experienced players. I think the fact that. I mean, this is the well, talent it's, of Gatland. It's, it's the, it's the worker. It's if you know those players inside out, and it's only a handful of them. It's maybe half a dozen in that twenty-three that Gatland knows inside out. Yeah. But if you do, if you know them inside out, and they know your systems inside out, they they lay the foundations. Whereas, I mean, everyone has worked, or most of these players have worked with Borthwick in some capacity. Yeah, well, he was, Engl- he was yeah. England coach. Um, under Eddie Jones for a period of time although yep. one would assume he does things differently and then he's been Leicester Tigers coach and he's been at Saracens before that yep. um, so he's he's not totally new but they've never played under or very few of these have played under him in the same way that that half a dozen or so have played under Gatland yeah I'm certain Borthwick will come good I'm certain that he's the right guy, guy for the job well, just eight months isn't enough my, my worry is had he been appointed after this World Cup or after the last World Cup, maybe the last World, maybe after Japan was too soon. But had he been appointed after this World Cup and he had a four-year run, I've, I still believe he's he's the kind of guy who could do something really special with any group of players. Agreed. In that period, he might not get the chance. I know. He might not make it to after this. He might not make it past this World Cup. Which would be yeah, some, such some people a shame. saying Eddie Mark, Eddie Jones Mark Two, but there's a danger of it being Stuart Lancaster Mark Two. Yeah, yeah, we agree. Yeah. It'd be, be awful. Particularly bearing in mind how much this whole escapade cost the RFU. Let's not forget that. So they better be in this for the long term. Well, yeah, the appointment. So firing Eddie Jones, buying out the Borthwick or paying off the Borthwick and Alad Walters and Kevin Sinfield contracts. Yep, that's it's seven figures in terms of those numbers there, that it's a million pound plus gamble. It's a huge, huge amount it's of money. Enormous. It's a huge amount of money for a union with, with no money. With no money. And going to have less money. Uh, well, less money after paying for Tim's breakfast and lunch tomorrow. Oh, crikey, Tim, you are really racing rugby. <laughs> um, I, and I think there's also a more of a cultural issue with English rugby. Let me know what you think about this, but it felt that those Welsh players who were given their deb- debut were there to prove that they could make a World Cup and I think some of the England players that were on that field who were on the fringes were there to prove that they couldn't make a World Cup. They were sort of given the chance to fail their way out. To hang themselves. Yeah. Here's the, the noose. Here's the rope. You make the noose yeah. in the next well, 18 minutes. Here's linking what you're saying with what you just said. I, 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 I think there might be an element of truth in this. 
any organization, sports team, business or whatever, ends up resembling the person in charge. Yes. They take on an organization or a team or whatever takes on the characteristics of the person at the top. And I think the difference, Borthwick is an exceptional coach. He is, he's going to be, I agree with you. He, he's the right man. It may be the wrong time. Me. Mm. Um, but he, what he doesn't have is experience. And just in the sense of the players, you just sort of got the sense with Wales, exactly like you're talking about with their young guys. They had a freedom which comes from having a coach who's been there, done it, round the block, and will just in subconscious ways, not even verbally, ver- stuff that Warren Gatlin says, but just in the way he carries himself because he's been there, done it many, many times, they will just have got a sense of freedom. Whereas this is as new for Steve Borthwick as it is for many of his players. Yeah, that's exactly mm. right, isn't it? That's exactly right. I, I, you know, you, I think what you're saying, Tim, really showed up in the second half when Wales start offloading the ball. Like, young... Just young guys, just throwing you know, th- throwing it around with a lot more freedom than the English boys, and that isn't a system thing. That's just playing good rugby. Once you, you know you feel that you've got the upper hand, that's all that is. And I think I think there was one moment that captured that the most was England were eleven points down. The final score was what the scoreline was at the time. George Ford was on, and you'd have thought George Ford would have been. He's he's a very smart guy, reads a game, can change a game. He'll have been watching what's going on. He's in the middle of the park, I think, just inside the Welsh half, gets the ball, has time, and puts up a box kick. Yep. Yep. It was like, you're 11 points down and there's <laughs> 10 minutes to go. What are you doing? But that's how they play. I mean, I think when England master what they want to do, if they ever do it, if, right? yeah, if, if they, they ever do. master it, right? I think the version of England that you're going to see is a little bit like South Africa, where they smash it up in the air, they go and contest, rip off huge chunk. chunk chunks of yardage and then you and then you play in you know a, a few phases or a shape or some such thing sort of Leicester Tigers like kick 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 make sure you're in the position rip off a chunk of yards and then play I think that's what they probably want to do but you know if it's a difficult one because if you if you're on that end of an absolute hiding against a bunch of kids in the Millennium Stadium and you're a fan and you're watching this the last thing you want is to see the box kick you don't want to see the execution of a game plan that's failed you for sixty minutes, and now you're gonna you know, finish off the game with the same. With the same when you, when you've got to score tries. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, I, it's a different one. You you need to score tries. On the other hand, maybe it was kind of right to carry on trying to execute the game plan because this is a warm up game. I think your point is a, a brilliant one about. Um, uh, I've done so brilliant. I've just completely brain farted what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> Such oh, an amazing whatever. point. What? Let's just leave it there. I make I'm making amazing points. You, today. you make <laughs> let's just let's just you <laughs> consistently make amazing points. Yes, astonishing. Uh, yeah. Um, one, here's here's an in, uh, a point that I'm not sure is right, but I just want to discuss it anyway. JB mentioned we were just chatting before the pod, and JB mentioned how amazing it was to see all these um, debutants and youngsters in the Wales squad just be given a chance, and like mm. look at, look at what can happen when players are given a chance. And I said. I agree on the Wales, Wales side. England have given a load of players a chance. There's, yeah. there's, there's a load of players who aren't first choice, some of whom have played before, some of whom have never played, some of whom have played one or two games, who have been given a chance. And they didn't look amazing. And then there's a, there's a question for me, and I've probably not fully fleshed this out, but Wales, the first question they ask is, is he a good player? Because they... I'll, I'll explain this in a second first question they ask is he a good player Wainwright is he a good player 
Jack Morgan, is he a good player? Costello, is he a good player? Whereas England, the first question they seem to ask is, does he look the part? Does he fit? So, like, ribbons, is he six foot seven and 19 stone? Yes, therefore, that's that's the like question to get him through the door rather than is he a good player. Thokken a singer, he's six foot four, 110 kg, can uh, unproven do a sub 11 second 100 meters. The the attributes are the thing that gets them through the door. There is something... And it's only after that that they determine whether they're a good player. Whereas Wales, like Wainwright is not big enough to be an international number eight. No. But he's good enough to play international back row. Therefore, he gets the opportunity. Yeah. Whereas England, the question is the wrong way round. It's do they, do they look the part? Like Marchant looks absolutely... And Marchant is a very, very good player. It's maybe a bad thing, but he looks like he's going to be an international 30-year-old. He just looks amazing. He does. Uh, and he's a bad example because he is actually a very, very good player. Thokken is a better one. Yeah. He looks amazing. Yeah. He is huge. He's rapid. But he's... Perhaps not good enough. Sam Burgess is probably your best example. Sam Burgess, great example. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So th- I'm glad you mentioned this because you're not the first person to recognise this. But last time I heard this brought up, and I can't remember the exact quote, but I, I loved it, and it was to do with Eddie Jones. And it was like, do you pick the big player and make him work hard, or do you get the hard-working player and make, make him, him big? Make him big. And the yeah. Eddie Jones thing was because he was a small, hard-working hawker. He always went for hard-working lads and, and made them big, which, well, you know, doesn't exactly chime with your point. It, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, it's kind of the opposite. It, of is the, your, it is the opposite, but that mindset is very much, those questions are, are, are very much for, uh, at the forefront of the England team because they continually see ask things like, well, you know, it's like the ball carrier uh, thing or it, can you afford to have a small number eight only if you have two, like, two giant locks? Yeah, because you're looking at attributes before you're looking at, um, at also, how, look how at good players, players are. Look at the players that look at the players that have been cut from the squad. So Zach Mercer, Alex Mitchell, Tommy Freeman. These are guys that have supreme rugby brains and are maybe some of the most naturally uh, natural um, in terms of rugby intellect and intelligence out on the field, decision making, top two inches. They're right up there. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I, I, but they, they're good examples of my point because they, all of them, uh, are a bit unorthodox. Yeah, like Zach Mercer, Zach Mercer and Alex Mitchell in particular, they do not look precisely how you would want them to look. But they are very, very good rugby players and very good rugby brains. Well, your exact point, and this is not a contradiction of your point. Your exact point is made in Moneyball when they talk. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm actually thinking of Moneyball. Yeah. When, like so a gene salesman. You're not selling jeans. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I was thinking quite strongly of Moneyball. Like the the coaches, oh, sorry, the um, selectors, um, scouts. Even they look at um, they look at the perception oh, he's, he's of the a players. Typical second row, six foot seven, 20, uh, 19 stone, and yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, they look yeah, at the aesthetics rather than the results, and. I, obviously, you can't be you can't be a tight head prop and be ninety five kg. No, you can't be an international. You can maybe at level seven. You can't internationally. But so there are certain criteria that you have to meet. But I, I almost feel like England have gone too far that way. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder how much you can put. Uh, you know, not blame, I suppose. But these private schools are churning out boys who are 
the model of the position that they should play. With, so the, with, the, exception, in, with the exception of front rules. As well, in, who are you in, thinking of there? Well, just just England. Oh, as in where they get their front rows from? Yeah, England. Yeah. Like England struggle to get um, tight props. Well, they had one playing for Wales, <laughs> and actually, the way he played second half, I'm pretty sure they're not going to they're not yeah. going to miss Henry Thomas. <laughs> he didn't have a he didn't have a great debut for Wales. Yeah, so I I'm not I'm not fully fleshed out, but I think there is there's certainly some correlation with some of the positions that played there. Today, but on both sides, actually, both the England and the uh, the Wales side. Yeah, Excellent. I am going to draw back back from the precipice a little bit. I remembered the point I was going to make is I think it was a brilliant point to say it's not a great place to be when you don't trust your backup players. Nevertheless, and you are right on that. Mm. Nevertheless, the quality of players that can come in for the Argent. Let's not let's remember all England need to. Well, no, I say all. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm not going to say all. England say in this Eng, England in this World Cup need to beat Argentina game one, and probably, probably if they play to anything like their potential, whoever they pick in the remaining four pool games, they will win and finish top well, of the pool. Didn't Japan so, lose again really, this weekend? So they, they did. Yes. So they. So Japan they only. They, so they. they I don't want to disrespect the other teams in the pool. And uh, go on, do it, Tim. Do it. <laughs> the first game against Argentina. If they if they manage to win that, then the next game that's really a stretch of oh they might not re- they might not win this if they play anywhere near what they're capable of is the quarter final. Yeah, and they're going to be playing Wales or Australia, possibly Fiji. In which case, I mean that's you could not ask for a better World Cup. So yeah. I, I'm going to pull back from the precipice because the 15 that they can bring in are excellent players. And really, to get to a World Cup semi-final, they've got to win two games that feel like a lottery. So, mm, interesting. Uh, and, and Scotland have got to win two games that, that are, n- are very much not a lottery in Ireland and South Africa to get out of a pool, not get to that, a semi-final. Yeah, that are stacked against them. Just, just on the Japan point, Japan did lose to, to Fiji, um, lost quite handily, um, 35-12. They did have... Um, Labashange or Labaskagna. I've heard it. Labashang, Labashang is it? Well, Labashang. Labashane is Labash- how the Aussie cr- yeah. uh, cr- cricketer is pronounced. Labashane is Labashagni the- is how they do it with the rugby player, I believe. Is yeah, it Labashagni, really? Yeah, that's okay. how I've heard it. Um, anyway, he was red carded after seven minutes. Brilliant. But Japan have not been good in this. Um, is it Pacific Nations Cup? Yeah, who's coaching them? Jamie Joseph. Yeah. Mm. But they've just not. They've just not looked great. So, um, well, let's hope they return to form for the World Cup, shall we? Fingers crossed for maybe Jamie Joseph is saying, "Judge me on the World Cup, mate." Exactly, exactly right. Which might be Steve Borthwick might be saying that as well. There might be a lot of coaches. Covering, Eddie Jones is saying, Eddie Jones is definitely saying, "Judge me on the World Cup, mate." I mate. don't want to be hubris. I respect the teams that are there. I also think England have got an unbelievably good chance. Maybe even more than fifty-fifty. No, not more than fifty-fifty. That's not what I mean. They've got a fifty-fifty chance of get being in a World Cup semi-final. Yeah, I would I, take that all day long. I I agree with that. They've got a very good chance of it. Like, they can still mess it up, but they have got a very good chance. This is as, as good a draw as you could possibly hope for as an Englishman. Yeah, I would quite like uh, to see England go in the group stages, <laughs> uh, and then and then the RFU and the council being burnt inside a massive wicker man. I I don't mind the uh, 
the latter point. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> just. I'd like to make it interesting, but the latter point. Met- 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 hey, I'll, I'll, yeah, meta- yeah, of course. Of course. There's, 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 goes there's on saying. Goes on saying. On Twitter, that's going to cancel you, JB. I've got you back. I'm not on Twitter. I can do what I want, though. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I'll give you a World Cup final if, if, if you can throw them all, uh, all into a giant wicker man. <laughs> uh, metaphorically. Exactly. Let's, uh, let, let's just throw a bit of praise on Wales for their second half performance. Jack Morgan, you've already mentioned, and Aaron Wainwright were absolutely exceptional. If this it was, was great. if this was a bigger game, because it's only a warm-up game, let's let's not get too ahead of ourselves. And you know, maybe this time next week we're talking about how great England are because they've got to play Wales again in Twickenham. But if it is a bigger game, that clip of Tom Pearson running into Jack Morgan would have been iconic. Which one's that? Oh, it would. Uh, the, the, the tackle. Oh, that tackle for, yeah. for the what was the Gareth Davis try? Um, or was yeah. it? no, no. Tom Pearson just got monstered. The, yeah, Tom he, Pearson. He ran, just... he ran it in ever so slightly too upright against Jack oh, Morgan, oh. who just mulled him. I, so I've not seen that. And it's textbook. It was just a textbook, like because uh, Tom Pearson's such a massive man, a and powerful so, man. Yeah, and he's such an awkward runner as well. He drives. He's too high. He's too high, and he drives Morgan back about two yards. But Morgan's in textbook shape, awesome. and then he ab- absorbs that momentum. The momentum stops and then it shifts and then he's getting then he's picking him up and driving him back and it's not like it's not a huge collision but it's a great tackle oh i i will look that up (laughs) it was good jack Jack morgan as a as a leader as a youngster um just yeah he looks he looks awesome in it looked awesome in that game aaron wainwright as well is a legitimate option for wales at eight it's great isn't it it's great to see uh after all that doom and gloom i thought wales gonna get smashed and all hail the king gatland Gatlin's back. Gatlin is back. So. Dan Bigger's got a lovely French tan. Uh, Louis <laughs> Reece Samet too. I like his nineties curtain hair. It's great. Isn't it? Davis had to play well with Le- that abomin- abomination Le- of a haircut. Lee Halfpenny looking as handsome as he's ever looked. He, I did yeah. think that. You know, when, my word. You know when he took that first penalty and they panned to his family in the box, yeah. or they were drinking apérol spritz, I think something like that. Something like that. Um, I did think, God, he's still looking good, isn't he? He looks great. I, He's in good shape, narrow waist, big chest, big arms, big shoulders, um, and just those like uh, boy band good looks, soft, yeah. doe-eyed, long eyelashes. Oh. He doesn't have that washed out look that you know, a late Ben Foden had. <laughs> um, yeah, he looks great. Uh, what's the last thing I was going to say about him? Yeah, so does, I just wanted to cast have, your... Oh no, don't worry, I was going to say something about <laughs> videos online. But I, 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 I just wanted to cast your mind back to the last World Cup. Um, Liam Williams gets injured mm-hmm. and Lee Halfpenny comes in and the world is losing its mind because Liam Williams at that time is the boy. Yeah, and They're all talking about, God, if Liam Williams can't play, this, that and the other. And I remember putting up a tweet with all of the accolades that Halfpenny had won, yep. like how many points he scored, how many tests he's been, uh, he's played, oh, 100. Um, the fact he's been on three, li- yep. three Lions tours. You know, the fact that a couple of years earlier he was... Uh, just about the most expensive player in the world when he moved to Toulon. Yeah, and he's already done all that. And at that point, people are like, yeah, but he's past it now. He's on the decline. That's four years ago. And yeah, he's about to go to another World Cup, judging by this performance. And judging by this, I mean, if he can play as well as he does, because he doesn't rely on out-and-out speed. He doesn't no, rely ne- on physicality. He's, he's always been incredibly brave yeah, uh, defensively and under the high ball. Some but, might say too brave. Yes. <laughs> yeah, significantly too brave sometimes. But there's no reason he doesn't go on for a couple more years. He's looking great. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lee, uh, Lee Hoff, any chat? Um, do you want to talk about? about the other games before we, before we go? Yeah. So, yeah, because I actually did watch um, 
pretty much the entirety of Scotland, France. I love that game. Albeit I watched it with sound off. So I've got an admission to make. I watched the first half and then smugly turned off my TV saying, this is over. Oh, JB. And then I had to go back and watch the highlights. Second half was great. First half... Was um, great. First half was really interesting. I, I found it really interesting because I thought Scotland looked dangerous, but they tried to make themselves look dangerous at to- in totally the wrong part of the field. They were they were playing like big runners and offloading games just outside their 22, which is great, but you play three phases and you lose the ball in the third phase and France are going to punish you. Yeah. And they did. And it, it was the right rugby in the wrong part of the field in that first half. And in the yeah. second half, obviously after um, Xander Ferguson goes off um, for the red card, well, the yellow card that got converted into a red card, um, they just stepped up and they kind of had to. And you could say that the French team is young, inexperienced, second string. But Scotland finished that game really well with a huge amount of um, physicality, a huge amount of effort, and a lot of defence. And at the end, the Rory Darge um, turnover to win the game was absolutely superb. I I loved that second half. It's brilliant that that Scotland are not going to miss Stuart Hogg one bit if uh, if Blair Kinghorn plays like that. No, not at all. Kinghorn is... Kinghorn's a, a serious player. He, oh. He's excellent. And he's so big as well. Like, they've got some serious beef in that in that back line. Tuipilotu, Van der Merwe and Kinghorn. Hugh, Hugh Jones is not small. No, so he's no. He's a powerful man. Not, not, Darcy Graham is small. Is small. Legitimately small. Um, Finn Russell is deceptively physical as well. He's deceptively strong. Well, when you say deceptively, is that because he looks so unphysical? Well, <laughs> but he is. He's actually very strong. Yeah, I mean, he does. Yeah, I guess he is a professional athlete. People do forget it's just yeah, he doesn't, yeah. Look he like look, doesn't look. But he is very, very strong. Uh, yeah. So I, I loved it, and I, I actually think this is the, I think this is the best result for both teams, which is a Agreed. weird, weird thing to say because France they got some really good stuff out of that um, that backline. Um, Early Gaetan on, Bia Barre, who were, were eligible for the under twenties, and he is ace. Imagine how good the under twenties team, how much they more they would have steamrolled if they had those two players in their back line. Yeah. Bill Beret, I was because I was watching this with sound off. I was absolutely certain that was Gabriel Villiers. Like I was. Oh, one, is that who he reminds you of? Well, the red, the red scrum cap with the yeah, scrum yeah. cap and, and and the way he runs. He's yeah, so right. Do you know the, the way he runs is? I was. It was only when I rewatched the highlights to, today. So I watched the whole game, and I was like, God, Villiers playing well. God, he's looking good. <laughs> Do you know who he reminds me of, this uh, Billier Beret, or whatever he is, however you say his name? Um, Italian fullback. Oh, he looks like, uh, his facially, he does look like, uh, well, what's his the, name? The, the, the Capuazzo. Yes. Capuazzo. Yeah. The way that they're so skinny and elusive. Oh, he's he is identical to Villiers. Uh, do you know what I like about him is just his willingness to challenge the line. So sometimes, do you know when you become a little bit jaded by rugby or you know what the right decision is? You know, on percentage. You say you're looking at a situation, you go, yeah, percentage-wise, I should pass this 60-40. Yeah, yeah. They, he will take the 40 because yeah, he's yeah. confident that he can execute it. And he does. That, that queer you try, the first try, with Gaetan making the break, at, well, at such speed, the pass to Biel Beret and then his pass inside, it was just well, Biel, it was gorgeous. Biel Beret leaves Hugh Jones 
in his wake for that. He, he accelerates as um, as how, how do you pronounce him? Gayton. 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 Um, as he's getting smashed, and he was smashed by uh, Van der Merwe, but gets the offload inside. Hugh Jones is left for dead by Beret, uh, Biel Beret, which was awesome. But yeah, the, the, what I was going to say was the. I think this is actually the best result for both teams because Scotland got a lot of there are a lot of positives to take out of this from Scotland. France got the positives in the first half, and then ultimately, I think um, Galtier will be delighted because he's seen some positives. But it's just proven how right he is because he is so consistent with his selection. Yeah, it's, it's almost like um, either injury or retirement, like Vakatawa or Larue, um is the the only route to get other like kind of new blood into the squad because Gautier one hundred percent knows he's right, and this has just proven just how right he is because ultimately, even though there's some positives, his team lost and. Whatever French team is selected by Galtier, it should not lose to Scotland. No, it probably shouldn't. And looking at the players, in his mind, so that is yeah. that is not uh, my view. That is Galtier's view. Yeah. So I'm just looking at the um, French team, and it, you know, it's packed full of talent. I think they, 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 this actual team stays together for any length of time. These personnel will they, they could win. The, they could could win the Six Nations. That's how much talent that they have. Mm-hmm. They just they, but they, they monsters. They won't get chance because of. Gautier loves his... This will be the kind of team that will uh, go away and kind of be victorious or have put in a very good effort in a uh, three-game series in New Zealand or South Africa or Australia, yeah. as as the, um, the French Reserve did last summer in Australia. Well, the guys I see sticking about would be Hooker. Bougarit. Yeah, Bougarit. Um I think uh, Badant offers something which... The number six. Yep. And... Uh, the, the winger Billier Beret, or however you say his name, Biel Beret. Biel Beret. I need to get you to say that name because I have a feeling we're going to have to be saying it for a long time. But Dumortier, um, I like might, him, might be starting. Well, um, Wocky is just because Wocky missed the Six Nations. Love Wocky, so he's coming back into it. Makalu will, I think, he will be part of the French twenty-three because he plays in different because he's so versatile and because he's such a good player anyway. But. Because he's versatile, he's such a useful player to have. Yeah, on um, on Demortier, he has shades of uh, Pinot about him. Yes, he does yeah. definitely. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Scotland. Um, yeah, I I tend to agree with your analysis that they look dangerous all of a sudden. They, they when- had more to lose out of that game. So the second half was massively important for them because they put all their eggs in that right. We're going first choice. We're at home. Yeah. We're against the French second third position uh, third choice in many of the positions if they had if they'd lost that then suddenly that first game against south africa feels a mountain that's a little bit I, tougher uh, to climb i don't know why i feel this about scotland but i feel come six nations they're a dangerous team to play against they sort of get their act together and think oh they can score a bit they, they, and then they go away on their summer tour and they get battered by someone and they have the autumns and they ju- it just doesn't seem to go well against big teams what I like about this is that you've got a France team here who must be quite good because they managed to rack up 21 points in... And they've, of they've got some serious talent, as you said before. Yeah. Serious, serious talent. So they're all pretty good. Yeah. But then for Scotland to go and stop them scoring completely and overhaul a 21-point lead, that's... With with a, with a uh, red card for the last half an hour as well. Yeah, yeah. Can, I, can I make a quick point on that red card? Mm. Def- definitely a red. 
uh, it was the, it was the correct decision based on what happened on the field. But I've got I do have an issue with Ben O'Keefe because oh. that red card. So Xander Ferguson came in and, and made the illegal clear out, which deserved the red card. Let me be clear on that. Uh, he after quite a few seconds of that ruck, it had already formed, been established, and it was still going. It wasn't happening. And then Xander Ferguson, who was stood out waiting for the ball, I think, then ran in and, and cleared him out illegally. Bugarit was stood holding the ball. So it had Ben O'Keefe thought Bugarit's legal, in which case penalty France. Yeah, or he's Bugarit's Booger, not legal, get your hands off the ball. Either way, Xander Fagerson doesn't come and fly in. And the issue I have is Xander Fagerson the, the the sanction for this is I think minimum six weeks. Xander Fagerson has previous well, so he yeah. may not be given much mitigation, which means he may he may end up with a four a four game ban, which means he misses that South Africa game first one, and first he's such, one in, in Paul C. Such a key player as well. He's such a key player. And so I'm not excusing the Xander Fagerson. He'll he'll have brought it on himself ultimately, but this is one of those situations where I think the referee had is as much to blame for the red card as Xander Ferguson. I I tend to agree. Mm. Um, and there's there is another issue I have with Ben O'Keefe, which is the um, the tackle. I think it was uh, Kuyu, Kuyu, um, the number nine um, on his opposite number, Ben White, um, in the first half. Which oh yeah, which led to Ben White going off injured. Now that I think that should be a yellow card. I think it's a penalty. I, I was happy with it. Well, it's it's it as at least meets the threshold. It's a swinging arm to the head. Um, now, I think it probably meets the threshold for a red card, but then could be downgraded to a yellow card. But the, and the reason I, that's the application of the laws, and I, d- I don't really care if you soften the laws or make the laws harder. But we will see. Him and I believe me later. We will see a similar um, swinging arm to the head with or without mitigation, in the World Cup that will result in a red card yeah, I agree with that as well. and a um, potentially be game-deciding of high profile. And it's the inconsistency. Like I, I, I don't Make it a yellow card, make it a red card, make it a penalty. Be consistent. And that just was... I thought it was totally inconsistent. And, and with the... Um, the bit that I do... I'm not the biggest fan of the um, upgrading yellow cards to red cards, but it takes some pressure off the referee. They don't they don't need to decide on the pitch. Oh, is this a red card? Is it a yellow? Just give it a yellow and move on. Yeah. And then, unless it's a clear, clear red, just give it a yellow and move on because it will the the correct decision within the framework should happen, and it's not on your toes. Yeah. I thought he kind of bottled that one. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's the consistency thing. Um, we will see. I bet we're, I'm going to I'm going to find a little clip of that, and at some point during the World Cup, we will see a similar um, shot that is given as a red card. I completely, yeah, that will happen. That will 100 percent happen. Yes, yeah, I, I was just making the point that I'm happy. Yeah, just, yeah, just you know, yeah. Penalty, move on. <laughs> um, okay, so Ireland played Italy. I didn't see it. Did you see it? Uh, I saw little bits of it live, and um, I saw the highlights. Uh, Fairly routine win for Ireland are the kind of team who. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. They never really do any more than they need to. They will, yeah. they will they will almost always score just the four tries, and then they got five five here uh, with the second Kaylin Doris's second try coming with a few minutes to go when the game was long and gone. But they'll just do enough. Um, they they blooded a few players, which was interesting. Um, great to see uh, my boy young Ulsterman Tom Stewart get a, a shot, and, off, a shot and, off the bench. And Cubed back in the uh, Crichton, back in uh, the green again. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Although, I do have to say, Stocker's, um, the missed tackle for the first uh, first Italy try, Lorenzo Pani's try, was, <laughs> to me, that is the kind of missed tackle that might keep him out of the World Cup. Yeah. It was a dreadful, in the mind. dreadful attempt at a try-saving tackle. A dreadful attack. He just needs to go low and hit him hard. And he goes in half, half-hearted, half up high, and gets fended by by a winger who is probably 10 kg lighter than him. Embarrassing. Uh, Not, uh, yeah, it, it's the kind of thing that Farrell, that is the kind of thing that will stick in his mind. Yeah. Good. Uh, I'll, I'll name a few players from the Ireland game. Uh, Joe McCarthy, second row, like him a lot. I think he's he's taken... Kieran Treadwell's spot in the squad and he will go and he looks a proper player liked him a lot mm-hmm. um, I like the look of Jack Crowley he looked very com- calm and composed didn't, like you say Ireland didn't really have to do anything um, Kalen Doris is ridiculous first game at international level wearing seven and he and he was jackaling like a like a world class seven he's, he, he's... He, he, he didn't look like a number eight if you just watched that game and you'd never seen Kalen Doris before, you would think he's always been playing open side. And he was so I always think Kalen Doris has an open side that plays eight, actually. I, I, I actually think of him as an eight who plays six. Oh, really? <laughs> more, okay. yeah. more, more position. Because he plays six quite a lot with uh, Conan at eight, because Conan is a bigger bloke. Yeah. Uh, Basic, basically, he, ca- he, he plays everywhere. All. He's he, bit... he probably... You probably put him at 12 and he'd look like, oh, he's a pretty competent 12. <laughs> oh, he juggles well at 12. Yeah. He's an, he's an incredible rugby player and, uh, yeah, he was amazing. And the other thing is, uh, to your point about Ireland, they always kind of just do enough and stuff. It was actually at the point where I'm convinced Andy Farrell was deliberately throwing curveballs at his team. That They talk about creating chaos and see how they deal with it. It's very much that's very much a Stuart Lancaster thing, isn't it? A Leinster. The, well, it's one of these. It's one of these trendy coaching things, isn't it? Yeah, we, we, we create chaos. Because there was there Mike was times, to say it. There was times in the last twenty minutes where I was going, I don't know what position some of these players are playing. 
Yeah, I don't. I, I know, yeah. I, I know what the theory is, kind of, that they try to do. Everyone should be able to play everywhere at all times and do everything and create absolute chaos so the opposition doesn't... It, it just doesn't stack up, though, does it, really? It just doesn't make any sense, because if it was true chaos... You can't play rugby in true chaos. Like, you can't. You have to no, be not, so... not true chaos. It's, yeah, I know, but I just hate the, I hate the language. Chaos. It's like, you know, I guess all arguments eventually devolve well, into an argument I about use, language. I use that language, and Stuart Lancaster has in the past. With, in and and, and to you're not the only one. Uh, Mike Ford uh, was, was, yeah. was, was, was all like that. I, but, I love Mike Ford as a coach. So. But, like, Kieran Frawley came on, and I couldn't tell which one of him and Jack Crowley was 10 and who was 15, because they were swapping, changing all the time. And I guess to dovetail this, going back to England, when we talked about their kind of second-string players being a big drop-off for and about cohesion, they've been in camp for a month, I don't understand it. Some of them can't even catch a ball or look like they've, met, <laughs> yeah. look like they've just Which met. camp have you where, been where, to? <laughs> whereas Ireland's second and third choices were able to play a form of total rugby where everyone knew the system so well, it didn't matter what number was on their back, what position they were in, they all just did it. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. It is a good point. I, I do wonder about the England players. Are they allowed... I wonder what the training split is like. How many reps they get. Are they just playing defence if you're not the first... I don't, I'd love to know. Mm. It's... Like, something is going on at that England training that... It might pay dividends at the World Cup, but based on what we've seen so far... Not so much. In the Six Nations and the um, this subsequent game. Yeah, not so much. Mm. Um, that... That island back row is massive as well. Yeah, Ryan Baird is a he's six six lock slash. He's set, such um, well, he is a lock, right? He's, he's, well, he's, he's a lock slash back row. He's more like a mm. Courtney Laws type player, yeah, or a Scott Fardy type player. Very, ex- but he's, he's, he's he's so explosive and fast. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 faster than those two. Um, but then Jack Conan and Caelan Doris are both six four, and. Caelan Dorsch is the lighter of the two men. So you've got 6'6", six, 6'4", six, six, four, six, four Yeah, okay. As a um, fairly handy option. And they they can all jump in the line-out. They've all got great and they hands, can all lift. good rugby brains. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Perfect for a quarter-final. And Jack, Jack Conan, when he was wearing a Lions shirt, and he does this as well in, for Leinster and Ireland, but when he was wearing a Lions shirt, he would, they were often using him in that kind of outside the 13 channel. You know, I've just got it in the back of my head now. I've just got this horrible nagging feeling. Ireland will win the World Cup. <laughs> I, 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 hate, I I hate that feeling. I think they will not win the World Cup. I, but, I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. I really, really rate this line, this island team. I really rate the, what Farrell has done with this team, I, and I, the way that they've brought in some of the young talent. I think is is an exceptional team. I do not think they will win the World Cup though. If it can't be England, and it, I don't think it will be England, then I'd love to see a new winner of the Rugby World Cup. France. So, yeah, that's France, or Ireland, that's France or Ireland, isn't it? And I think they'd both be worthy. I, I think you're right. I don't, even though I do love the way that that New Zealand team plays, uh, I don't want them to win because I want, yeah, it's got to be someone new. Ireland or France for me. Uh, South Africa or France for me. South Africa. South Africa. I'd love South Africa to win it. In, <laughs> like the horriblest way possible. <laughs> I'd, I'd love... Um, I'd love South Africa to win it as long as Razi Erasmus is kind of true to his word and goes on a 60-minute rant about all the referee yeah. decisions against them. I want to hear a, a, a press conference with Razi just reminding everyone why he, why he's a World Cup champion twice <laughs> over. Just just handing it to everybody. <laughs> I told you I was right. I knew I was right. We are humble. I, 
Yardy, yardy, I can yardy. only I can only fantasize about England winning a World Cup. Just I mean, being an England fan, that'd be great. Oh, but uh, sorry, sorry. To be able to do a podcast with JB after England winning the World Cup would be. I, I would love England to win the World Cup. <laughs> and you know, I really don't. Want I, I know. I, I would. I probably wouldn't do this myself, but I would ask our wonderful listeners to just go through all of the, just go through the podcast and get the best clips of JB. Uh, talking down England in recent months and playing them out in the podcast. I, I, I actually think England fans should want England to fail, right? Because, but I want I want Borthwick to succeed. This is the I, I agree with you on the RFU point. The RFU have been the RFU have got joke. to be disbanded, right? And what's going to happen? And it'll be a tragedy for English rugby. Is if this group of players does well, and I, you know, people don't believe me that I want this group of players to do well. I really do because these are the players that I watch week in week out. I care that they do well. I'm invested in their careers. I like it. I, I, I like England. I really do. But if they were to win this, it would justify all of the nonsense that the RFU have put forward. And they that need to go. That is a bad thing. Yeah, that is a, that is a bad thing. Yeah. And they'll be able to continue with the nonsense. And they'll be able to continue to trash the sport and bankrupt it both financially and morally. Uh, so, in a way, you kind of want England... I, I'd love for the players to do great and somehow for the RFU to disband and Bill Sweeney and co be locked up in cells. Here, well, here. Yeah, I can't do it. Here, here. Um, shall we break there? We're going to podcast again tomorrow night? Yes. Um, yeah, and we can, uh, by that point, you can have caught up on Argentina, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, which happened at very unsociable hours. And the CrossFit Games? <laughs> the CrossFit Games. Have you watched any of the games? All I will say on the CrossFit Games is I they always do this. They always mess up the first event. Oh, I completely agree. I completely right. agree. You get new people coming in to watch going, oh, right, okay, let's check out this CrossFit Games. And I talked about this on a podcast a year, last year. I think it was last year's or whenever. The, Kayaking. Uh, yeah. No, I think last year's first event was one where, or maybe two years ago, they had cycling and then some stuff in the arena, which meant they were doing pull-ups. To the point being where the very first thing I saw. Yes, I know exactly what you're saying, though. People doing pull-ups with cycling helmets on. It just <laughs> does, you, does not look like a serious sport. It does not you know, right. So I came to the conclusion... So at least they stuck with cycling alone on this one. But that's all it was, was just cycling. So I came to the conclusion um, today that the CrossFit Games is about being good enough at, at CrossFit to overcome the random results of the first event. So that's what you've got to do. So if, it, if it's just CrossFit, the best person at CrossFit would win the CrossFit Games. But... Because of this random event at the start, you get top people coming last and like brand new people who happened to cycle when they were you know, in, <laughs> I know, 12 doing really well. They're complete randomers topping the table and wearing the red, the, the, like the red and white. So, um, yeah, that's the idea of the CrossFit Games. It's about being good enough to not be good at the first event. Yeah. I do like the kind of the all round athlete aspect of it. Because like, you should be yeah. good at. To be a good yeah, athlete. that's fair, but you shouldn't do that. Uh, like, because when people think of CrossFit, they think yeah. of their yeah. movements um, that involve Olympic lifting, rap, uh, repeated high intensity work, uh, pull ups, things like that. Just go. Oh, I'll, I'll watch it, and it's like a really, really bog standard crap version of the Tour de France. <laughs> yeah, well, ha- hang on. Also, right, you can't have something like cycling any more than you can have anything else which requires you to upkeep your kit. Because if you look at a cycling team, they have mechanics, they have engineers, they have the bikes fitted to their exact yeah. tolerances. Like, this is nonsense. That is that, So that is a fair point. Like, 
the the cycling kit for if you just put me on my bike, my gravel bike, against um, someone on a fifteen thousand um, pound Tour de France standard bike, like the bikes alone would be yeah. worth like, I mean, an enormous. But then, as exactly you say, bikes need to be properly fitted. If you're in the wrong aerodynamic position, it will knock kilometers per hour off your speed and minutes put minutes onto your time exactly now it's these guys that- are all mountain biking they all have the same bike but you know it does matter it, these things it's it's a sport in its own right and it's partly a physical sport and it's partly a technical sport it, you know it'd be it'd be stupid like to put them in f1 cars i mean it'd be amazing actually <laughs> <laughs> but that, well horse racing horse racing yeah horse, that's horse racing would be i mean might be quite entertaining. Pigeon racing? Let's get um, Neville Southall uh, crossfitting. Yes. And perfect. baby's dad. And I'm, baby's dad. And my dad, yeah. yeah. Dad. Although your mum does crossfit, doesn't she? She does. Yeah, she's doing really well. Hey, my, my, my squat is now the in the 95th percentile of all crossfitters. Amazing. Yeah, there you go. That is good. Right, um, I, was gonna... I, I will say one more thing, just on Ireland, very quickly before we go. Yes, their kit, their kit isn't nearly as bad as those first pictures looked. I actually quite liked their stash. Yeah, that that is a good point. I didn't, I didn't immediately throw up when I, I didn't even notice it as a bad thing when I uh, watched the game, That's which a, which is a good thing because yeah, when I first saw those pictures, it just looked like they'd used the wrong colour palette. Yeah. Oh, did you see? Did you see the the announcement? It's highly related to Ireland uh, kit. It's a couple of weeks ago uh, from Castor Castore, who announced the Leinster kit for next year, and they put a fifth star on it. Uh oh! Did you see the? No, I have not seen it, this. It no. hastily hastily got um, taken down. Oh and wow! It was oh, at, it's you, there forever though. But you could actually see that. On the subsequent one that got replaced it after it got taken down, they just photoshopped it out of it. Imagine you see the having was that wrong around it. Imagine having that conversation. Uh, yeah, we didn't win it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't <laughs> win that game. <laughs> oh dear. So yes, embarrassing, isn't it? Just hey, do you want to go now, or have I got time just to play a very, very quick game? A very, very quick game. <laughs> go on. It's nothing to do with rugby, but I'll round into rugby later. Very on. quick game. So. Today, Tim, and I will direct this at Tim more than Phil because we've only had a chat about it. Yeah, I, I've not done this quiz because I've not been able to catch up because I've been uh, showering my wonderful wife with gifts all day. So, I thought you were going to end it at showering my wonderful <laughs> wife. <laughs> um, so, Happy birthday, darling. <laughs> well, just actually, I say gifts. Gold, um, golden? Claire, <laughs> Claire is um, now kind of a woman after my heart. Um, because Again, I thought you were just going to end it. Claire is now a woman. <laughs> After another the, another big statement made by Phil on the pod. No, I, sorry, go on, go on, carry on, Phil. Where basically oh, all she, all she wanted to do today was uh, on her birthday do some exercise and have some time for herself. So like, which Ideal. is which is basically what I want to do. Not just on my birthday, it's just all I want to do. Yeah. So that's all. <laughs> that's all she was able to. I just took the kids. She could do exercise. She could do whatever she wanted. She wanted to go for uh, a massage and do some some sewing. So, away, ideal. Yeah, crack on. Away, away you go. So. so, here's the thing, Tim, right? I have been looking or I've been thinking about corporate mission statements because I think, uh, well, I, I was thinking of one for Beardmore and Co., independent financial advisors, right? What do we actually do as a business? So, I looked up some of the mission statements for the biggest companies in the world just to see what they were. I was of interest. Would you like to guess which company the statement belongs to? 
so I, I will I will do this as a couple that I know, but I, so I won't. But I will do this as well for the other ones. So I'll give you a nice easy one. Right, this is really really easy. Okay, organize the world's information and make it universally universally accessible and useful. Go on, Tim. To so organize the world's the- information and make it universally access- accessible and useful. So I would say, uh, unless you want to go first, Tim, but I, I would say Wikipedia. I would assume it was like... Wikipedia. So it was like no. really obvious. Like- oh. um, it is really obvious. Google. It is Google. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's Google, right? So I'll well, give- so that's, uh, I, I was just thinking who, who, who combs the most data. I was going to say that Google, they're too broad, but they're not because Alphabet are too broad. Yes. Doesn't that make it sound like, oh, we're doing it for you? We're ju- we're just Let, well, let's not get into that. Let's not get into We're only arranging all information. We're not yeah. harvesting, selling, slicing, dice. No, it's accessible, Tim, for everyone. Yeah. As the Chinese Communist Party, we are just arranging these thousands and thousands of pictures of you and thousands of bits of information on every single <laughs> thing that you safety. do. For yeah, yes. your benefit. Uh, to make decisions feel and feel good moments easy for everyone. Sorry, what did I say? Sorry, to make delicious feel-good moments. Sorry, to make delicious feel-good moments easy for everyone. I want to say someone like McDonald's. Tim? Which is not, but... It can't be McDonald's. It is McDonald's. Is it it McDonald's? Yeah, it is McDonald's. To bring inspiration... Delicious feel-good moments easy for everyone. I think that's a great one. I, I, I think that's a really good one. Yeah. And I, I, I am a fan of McDonald's I'm as a, a brand. Like, I think, I think they're very, and particularly now with, with kids. I, I, here's what. So we were out for food last night. We were in a hotel that we stayed in last night. Nowhere fancy, just in Preston. We had uh, kids got a cheese toasty and um, fish and chips. Yeah. We got... A burger each yeah. with chips. We had some olives to start, and we got one glass of wine each. 95 quid. McDonald's. Like, if we got to McDonald's, it would have been oh, about eight. Uh, minus the wine, we just get a bottle and of wine. And you'd have your nutritional, your nutritional information. Yeah, 95 quid for that. Like yeah. McDonald's, it would have been about, uh, minus the wine, it would have been about 18 quid for the same amount of food. Exactly. Exactly. Probably not even that. Yeah. Uh, to- yeah. To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, one neighbourhood at a time. Starbucks. Correct. Ah, oh, very good. Right. So here's my absolute favourite, and I'll bring this to an end now. Right. This is my favourite. Okay. This is from Barclays. Uh, well, actually, before Barclays, give the HSBC. One, yeah. Okay. HSBC is good. So why I like these some of these mission statements is because they're clear about what the company does, right? And they can refer back to it. So HSBC is to be the world's leading international bank. Clear. Right. Be the best, not the best, not the best at um, money laundering for Mexican cartels. Yeah, yeah. Not the best in Canary Wharf, the best in the world. In the world. They want to be world's leading in the international bank. I think that's a cool mission statement. Yeah. Barclays. <laughs> Just let me find it. I, I, I absolutely love it. I, I love the Barclays one. Barclays is, wait for it, wait for it, to help people achieve their ambitions. That sounds all right. That's good. Doesn't it, Tim? Yeah, I just searched. When you said Barclays, I just looked and they said what their purpose is. I don't know if it's their mission statement, though. So to help people achieve their ambitions, hang on, wait for it. There's an extra bit, which I, which I, which I forgot to, to mention. Dash in the right way, as if that needs to be said. 
I have. Oh, I love the idea that they're, they're obviously doing something horrifically wrong yeah, in the past. Yeah. The implication is well, not those ambitions. Those people with. I, I think it's astonishing that that is even on the website. Yeah. That, it's not even one sentence. It's an afterthought. An afterthought is in the right way. Why mention it? <laughs> Isn't it implicit? You're a bank. Of course you're going to do it in the right way. It's Our mission is to save people's money, dash, without stealing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, so um, I'm going to throw this out to listeners. I think I want emails... The RFU's mission statement. What should, <coughs> what should the RFU's mission statement be, bearing in mind what it's already achieved? <laughs> the bad stuff they've achieved over the last few just, years. Just send me your mission statements, and I might send you a tie or an egg, or some sort of egg chasers memorabilia if you make me laugh enough. Grinding the game into dust. <laughs> yes. Excellent. I, I thought for um, Beardmore & Co, something along the lines of... Um, Oh, I can't find it though. Never mind. Never mind. I'll tell you. I'll tell you next week. Very good. Right. All tomorrow night. All tomorrow night. Yes, we will. We will hopefully see. Well, we will. England squad breakdown. See you tomorrow for the England squad breakdown and anything we've missed tonight. Yes. Yeah. So Australia and. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project. There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.